lollygagged the ball around the infield. You lollygagged your way down to first. You lollygagged in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. This is the Bullpen Brothers. And welcome, it's the Bullpen Brothers. Randy Heights, Dave Myrick here. Another fun weekend in college baseball in the books. West Virginia, Oklahoma. Sooners go up there. They come back a winner in the RPI, but only one and two on the weekend. But a good week for the most part. When you look at it, two and two against top 25 teams, Dave. Yeah, a good good week as it goes to that. I, I think could have been better. Uh, I think they had a shot against West Virginia. I, I don't think it was a very classy move by the West Virginia administration on their part to not go ahead and play a doubleheader. As I can tell you, I know Oklahoma requested that to happen and was told no. On a picture-perfect baseball day, weather-wise, knowing bad weather was coming Sunday, they still declined it. And, uh, you know, Sunday went how it went. They start Carter Campbell. Things got off the rails fast. Uh, they sit through a two-hour rain delay and, and, and not able to win the series. But like you said, they go two and two against very good opposition this week and come back sitting in a good spot RPI-wise. But the series they need to, to win are starting to dwindle pretty fast. They're, they're kind of in a, a win-or-go-home mode now as, as they look ahead to uh, Gonzaga. But, no, solid week for Oklahoma numbers-wise. Uh, it's about the best you can hope for playing in that level of opposition to come out two and two. Well, and if everyone wants to know what we're talking about when we say RPI and, and really why that game being done the way it is, and granted, both teams had to play in it. West Virginia won the game. That's not a gripe. You know, that's just the sure. way it is. You you got to roll with the punches, and Skip's made mention this a couple of times, that that's one thing this team hasn't done a good job of, adjusting to – situations whether it's a weather change or like the friday game against kansas where it got moved earlier in the day to avoid the weather you know they haven't rolled with the punches real well that's what happened on sunday what's crazy though for oklahoma like you said they should have played i don't know why the double header on saturday they didn't do it i know they were all about getting the sellout you know and the record-breaking crowd for west virginia which they did on saturday congratulations you lost to that crowd so i mean Congrats. i mean it, it makes no sense because to me honest if i'm west virginia i'm in a spot where i'm still playing to host and i think west virginia hosts but you should want to play as many games as you can especially if you feel like you're the better team to guarantee that game gets in the further over 500 the better record you have the better chance to host I, it made no sense for to me that they didn't move it for themselves as well. Now, I will say this. I think advantage fully in Oklahoma's court if they play that doubleheader game on Saturday instead of playing one game on Sunday. Yo, yeah, I completely agree because their regular third guy, Sunday guy, Jamie Hitt, takes the mound. And you kind of ride momentum off that second win, that second game win. But no, I'm with you as far as why they, they went ahead and said, no, we're going to go ahead and play Sunday when everyone in the world knew it was supposed to be a bad weather day. It didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, only thing I can think is they were under the impression that not everybody that came to the first game Saturday, if they did play a doubleheader, would go to the second game Saturday. So that's all I can come up with. Uh, beyond that, it was just a dumb, boneheaded move. And uh, But like you said, like, like I bring up in the interview with uh, – 
Will Carson, both teams have to play in it. Nobody made any excuses about it. They didn't do what they needed to do to win, but still, all in all, solid week, finishing two and two. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. We talk about our, we talk about the RPI and everything, and Dave, they're in really good shape. I mean, to be honest, what's funny is you look at this week. They come in forty-five to start the week after the series, right? OU doesn't play a game at all. As of Tuesday night, they were at forty-one. Now, yesterday, after a few more games were played. They fall to 42. And right now, the reason I keep saying, like, for Oklahoma fans that, you know, it's not a reason to give up because they've got more than a puncher's chance as long as they go out and win games this week and next week because their strength of schedule is 14 in the country, right? Yes. Kendall Rogers and the D1 crew put out their bracket yesterday. Oklahoma's last five out. Texas Tech was last five in. Texas Tech, overall record, a lot better than Oklahoma. Their strength of schedule is 59. It's not like they're separated by that much. And so if you would have had either a series win last week against West Virginia, or you can go out and go 3-1 and one next week with four top 100 RPI teams on your schedule, that is as long as you hold court this week. That That's a key. You know, That's a good, yeah. That. They're in a really good spot. I mean, well, they lost a you, series real fast day. They lost a series to West Virginia, and they moved into the last five in slot. Yeah, that's crazy the way that works. Uh, really benefited off, you know, who they're playing, and that's continued this year with just having a really good schedule. And, you know, when you play good teams, they go off and do good things, and that benefits you in the RPI. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've got to ask. How much will they weigh numbers versus record? I mean, yeah, OU's in a great spot, sitting 42nd. They got the strength of schedule, all that jazz. But if it comes down to a team that, you know, is say, I don't know, 36 and 18, 36 and 19 versus OU, who's maybe sitting eight, nine games above 500, oh, who gets the nod in that situation? That's where I say they, they've got to do some work. And that's why this weekend's important. Right now, they are 26 and 22. This weekend is so important for the simple fact of going and getting three victories. Get If you can, get to 29 wins. Go in next week. If you can come out three and one next week, you're at 32 at that point in time. And you'd be, what, 32 and 23, nine games over 500. You can't go two and Q in the Big 12. If you could go three and two at least in the Big 12, two and two, you feel... You're definitely holding your breath, but three and two, I, and you ask what they weigh more. I I don't know because it changes year to year. There's not like just this outline. I think they're in a decent spot just because of that strength of schedule. You know, that's going to be the key. No, I I do too. I I think finishing with a winning record in the big 12, which top to bottom is very tough, very deep and getting to that magical double digit wins as far as over 500 overall. And you can combine that with their very strong strength of schedule and RPI numbers. That's a good look for the committee to, to, to take a good look at and say, no, they belong. But it, it's, you know, kind of a we're beating on the same drum here. It seems like week in, week out with this team, it's up to them. They just have to go win games. And I think they'll be where they want to be. It's kind of 50 50 right now. Even if they were to go 3 and 0 this week and win the, the OSU series, they still have four series conference losses. And that's. That's going to be a tough pill to swallow for that committee, but, you know, they go and make some noise in the Big 12 tournament. 
uh, after stacking a Gonzaga series win with a Bedlam win, that starts to look better and better. It's it's just up to them at this point. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think the four they don't look at the four series losses in the sense of like a negative because you look at who they lost to. I mean, right now it looks like K State's a team that's in. That was a series loss. Tech is a team that's in right now. That was a series loss. You know, the one that's going to be the head scratcher is Baylor. Every Baylor. other loss right now are tournament teams. So, you know, and then they have a couple of series wins over tournament teams in the Big 12. So that's why I think it all balances out, you know. So I'm not even looking at that as much. It, it's more about being at 500 or better in the Big 12, being at nine games, 10 games over 500 going into the Big 12, and at least maintaining. Because at that point in time, it, now granted, Oklahoma would be that one we always talk about in basketball. Baseball is the same way. Oklahoma would be one of the first teams if they're bubble stillers. You know, like say a smaller conference, it's only going to get one team in, but that one team is a at-large team if they don't win the tournament. And then all right. of a sudden that team doesn't win their tournament, so they're taken. OU would be one of the first teams to lose the at-large spot, I think. Yeah, they, they would, and I see. I disagree. I don't think Kansas State makes it. I, I just don't. I think right now you got Texas, Oklahoma State, uh, West Virginia are locks, and I right. think that fourth spot for te- is for Texas Tech. That's just my feel on it. But I just I don't see five Big Twelve teams making it into this thing. I, I just don't see that. But you know, I can tell you right now that's well, what's predicted is five. Five making it, yeah. Okay. So it's gonna it's gonna come down between yeah. Tech and Oklahoma at some point. Yeah, because right now Kansas State's more in than Texas Tech, according to the you know bracketologist. I mean, heck, collegiate baseball, which is one of the worst polls, has them ranked 15 in the country right now. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not just saying that because they're ranked there. It really is. It's one individual guy, you know, instead of a bunch okay. of baseball minds getting together. So oh, I don't know. Maybe Pete Hughes' theory about playing a bunch of scrubs to make his record better is going to work out for him this it, year. It does. It worked for him at Virginia Tech. And there is some merit to do that. The, the, and that's where this year it's paying off because they played a bunch of scrubs and they got some good victories in conference. That pays it off. He tried that at Oklahoma a couple of times, and he'd have a good non-con and then get hammered in the Big 12. Well, and well it let me so ask you this. They, they play at Oklahoma State this weekend in a three-game set. Yeah. What if OSU wins that series? Where does that put Kansas State? I, I think they're still in at that point in time, but it starts moving them more to the bubble than they are. They're they're probably firmly on the bubble. And what I mean by that is, like, let's say they get swept this weekend, right? Okay. And Tech wins their series. And then next weekend, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State 2-1. to one. All of a sudden, instead of maybe at that point, it being Oklahoma and Tech battling out for that last spot, maybe it is Oklahoma and Kansas State, you know. And it's going to be interesting because strength of schedule, it depends. And, again, this committee, it's so hard to say, Dave, because as soon as you think you have a committee fi- figured out and what they're going to do, the committee changes each year. So all of a sudden, right. like, oh, this is what they valued. And so you do everything trying to guess what the committee is going to do because, based on what was valued the year before. And then all of a sudden – that isn't what was valued as much this year. It, okay, so here's here's my take on this. If you're an Oklahoma fan, here's what here's what I think you need to, to root to happen. So Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Texas, in my opinion, are locks right now. They're yeah. the only three out of the Big 12 definitely going. So you need to really pull for Oklahoma State to beat Kansas State and West Virginia to beat Texas Tech. 
I yeah, I, I agree. You definitely don't want because especially when you talk about comparing teams, you know, like let's say it comes down to like I think probably two of those three that we just talked about are making it right. Well, good and bad news for Oklahoma. You don't want, let's say you're being in the debate with Texas Tech. Say it's down to you two. You don't want that debate to be, well, maybe we look at the West Virginia series. Oh, Texas Tech went and won the series at West Virginia. Oklahoma went and lost. And maybe that be the coin flip. Or it comes down to Oklahoma and Kansas State. And, yes, I know Kansas State's traveling to Stillwater, but you don't want it to be, oh, Kansas State went and won the series in Stillwater, let's say, and Oklahoma hosted Oklahoma State, which if they lost anyway, they're out of the bubble. But I'm just using it for an instance, you know. And all of a sudden, you lose the series to Oklahoma State, and that's your coin flip move, and vice versa. You know, I I think it's really interesting how the teams that are – Again, on the bubble but not on the bubble are all playing similar teams and the same team, so you might be able to cancel each other out that way when you get down to it. Yeah, you might. I mean, I say you've got to pull for uh, for the automatics right now, but you know, say that OSU beats Kansas State. The, the funny thing about that RPI is because Kansas State beat Oklahoma in a series, you kind of need Kansas State to keep playing well because that keeps them up in the strength of schedule and doesn't make the loss look as bad. So that, you know, I think all this stuff aside, when you cut right down to it, it's just going to come down to Oklahoma winning games. And we've kind of already dissected what they need to do in that regard numbers-wise to make this thing. But I think where they're at now, you know, if you'd have told people a month ago that, yeah, they're still going to control their own destiny, they probably would have taken it, given how this the season has gone. And you know, I think you look at the rotation being set as a big deal. They didn't really get to, to exercise that in West Virginia, the way that played out. But down the stretch, I still think it's it's a very big deal. Braxton Dalfit, you know, he, he hasn't really been the same the last month. I don't know if he's dealing with some arm soreness. I've kind of heard rumors about. But if he gets back on track, that's a very, very good one, two, three punch when they need it the most coming down the stretch here. And no doubt, Dave. And, hey, let me go one step further with you when we're talking about for Oklahoma fans and teams in the Big 12 that are rooting against each other, you know, or for each other, how you want to look at it. I don't think it's all bad if you got Kansas State to go win a, a game in Stillwater, West or Tech to go win a game at West Virginia. We saw what it did for Oklahoma's RPI, right? right. If you could get both of them to win one game, and Tech, I don't know if Kansas State can make the move fully, but Tech is currently at 51. If they could just move up to a top 50 team, and then Kansas State is 56 in the RPI. If that win at Oklahoma State would move them into the top 50, that gives OU two more wins. Now, granted, it gives them four more losses, I know. But at that point in time, just looking at win totals, that would put them at 11 and 11 versus top 50 competition. That's, yeah. Those are that, really good numbers. Those are good numbers. That Boy, that stuff gets tricky, you know, when you, when you start really dissecting it that way as far as what needs to happen and what would be good to happen. That If I'm Oklahoma, if I'm the team, I, I like the fact that, you know, you can control outside of that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not really in a situation yet to where they have to come down to the numbers game and, you're hoping for that that team to do this and, you know, all that to fall, that they can still control this. 
by going out playing good baseball. But it's it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I, I, after we just had this conversation, I have no idea if you're an OU fan who you pull for this week. It's, I, like it's I said, that confusing. My big thing is I think you pull for neither one, none of these series to be sweeps, in my opinion. I mean, because that's just for fun. OU's 10 and 11 in the Big 12 right now. Texas Tech's 9 and 9. You got Kansas State setting at 11 and 7. You know, I I think in a way, the better the better you finish in conference, right? It's the better for an at large bid. So if right. you can get OSU to lose one, that drops them. They're eleven and seven. That gives them eight losses on the season. West Virginia's got five. Really, to be honest, I think at this point in time, you want West Virginia to go win this conference. You know, if they lost one, they're at six losses. All of a sudden, make that second place through sixth place, just a big cluster. Because then maybe the strength of schedule is what comes down to a team for like Oklahoma making it over a Kansas State or over a Texas Tech. You know, the more you can get that where you eliminate certain elements, the more the elements that are in OU's favor jump to their favor even more so. Yeah, and the more I look at this, I really think it's going to come down to Oklahoma and Texas Tech. So that being said, I think the best thing to have happen would be for West Virginia to win the series mm-hmm. and Tech to lose the remainder of the series. It that overall conference record is is important, and Kansas State unbelievably has a pretty good conference record compared to Oklahoma and Texas Tech, who are you know very similar. And I, I think if they finish similar and it comes down between the two teams, then you start looking at that strength of schedule and RPI and then that would really favor Oklahoma. So no doubt you're going to be going to be fun to watch it, down the stretch. It's going to be, and we'll get into this more later, but what's going to be really interesting. Cause you say Kansas state's record is good. If they got swept this weekend, they're one game better than OU in the last column in the big 12. Crazy. They host TCU the last weekend. TCU's fighting for their life too right now. They are. Yeah. Uh, I don't just me. I don't think they're in. Just I don't either. Judging by yeah, just just bad baseball the last month. But no, I, I think the teams that we talked about are the teams that it's going to come down to. Like I said, it, Texas, West Virginia, OSU were in, and the rest is going to be. You know, it might very well come down to RPI strength of schedule, but Oklahoma's got some work to do to uh, finish in that conversation. Yeah, and let's go by it real fast. The other team that we were talking about. Texas Tech has it in their favor. If they can get through this weekend, you know, still isn't at large. They get Kansas the last week at Lubbock. So, you know, that that's going to be in their favor, you know, as far as who everyone's playing because no gimme for OU against, Bedlam, against Oklahoma State. No. We'll get more into this in a minute. But, you know, earlier this week you had a chance to sit down and talk to Will Carstens. I wasn't able to join you. Let's hear what Will had to say about the Sooners and – where they were and where they're going. Will, thanks for taking some time to talk to us today, bud. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Hey, so I know that you guys are on a uh, a big road swing right now. Can I kind of talk about what it's like that people that don't know for a college athlete, all the travel, what what's kind of your day-to-day routine like right now with all this stuff going on? So in terms of like the past like uh, week-ish with, you know, going to West Virginia, and then now we're going, getting ready to go to Gonzaga. It's mainly been, uh, you know, pack, do a lot of laundry. And uh, today was actually our first practice since uh, this weekend. We had an off day on Monday. 
and then Tuesday was kind of an optional day. And so, uh, you know, today was a lot more bullpens and running, kind of getting back into it. And uh, now it's uh, laundry and packing and then getting on a plane tomorrow for the Gonzaga series. So pretty much just just what we expect travel-wise. Hey, man, bringing up the West Virginia series, I know both teams have to play in it, but but how how tough was that Sunday to to just get going and have to sit there for hours to you know to to kind of re-engage back in the game when it's a road team? That's a little bit tougher for you guys, wasn't it? No, it, it is tough, but I mean, like you said, both teams have to play in it. So I mean, I th- I think that uh, Carson Atwood did a great job in terms of coming in in the situation that we were in, and then. You know, did did his thing, even though it was pouring, and then you know sitting down for you know an hour, two hours, and then coming back out and still having the the guts to kind of finish that inning. And then obviously, you know, we got our Sunday guy James hit, and he does the job every every week. And so, I mean, I think in terms of that standpoint, we were pretty solid. I think if you take away two innings of that game, that uh, I think it would have been a different outcome, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so do I. Uh, the, the last month, I mean, you guys have been playing really good baseball. You go down and sweep Texas and Austin. Uh, you in particular had a fantastic weekend, and, and the last month have been rock solid. I know that you were kind of kind of dealing with some nagging stuff earlier on, but what's kind of been the key the last month to, to really you know kick that into high gear and, and start dominating on the mound the way you have? So, I mean, I think the number one thing for me has just been – focusing on one thing at a time so like obviously as a pitcher as any sort of player like you're always kind of looking for that adjustment to make to kind of get better and I mean you know as as a pitcher there's a million things that I can you know work on but um you know the number one thing for me is that I know I went out against Oklahoma State and kind of was pitching with a little bit more kind of intent behind it and I kind of realized you know like hey like like it wasn't it wasn't my best outing, but there was a lot of positive to it. And so I think the number one thing I should work on is getting the ball down. And if I can just attack the lower part of the strike zone, then I think I'm gonna have some success. And so for when I went out against Texas, that was really my focus. And um so I just continued to just try to dominate the lower part of the zone and obviously I mean I had some success with it. So that's kind of just been my mindset from that outing on. Yeah, man, it looks like you've got a lot more control of that fastball, and that's that's kind of setting up other pitches. But uh, kind of talk about what's the mood of the team like, man? You guys are set up really good as far as RPI and strength of schedule, as far as still kind of controlling what happens down the stretch. What's the dugout like right now? Oh, it's up, I can tell you that. And I know, I mean, obviously at the beginning of the season we were real up and down. But um, I think guys are starting to realize that, like, hey, like, you know, the sweep against Texas, you know, beating DBU, uh, like, all those games against, you know, ranked opponents, like, even if even if it's not a pretty win, like, we're getting the wins and, like, hey, like, we're right back in this thing. I know going into the Texas series, we were, I think, tied for last in the Big 12. And so, I mean, obviously at the time, guys were a little bit down. But, I mean, going into that series, we were kind of like, hey, like, no matter what, like, we want to kick – you know, we want to beat Texas. That's that's the goal. And then we all of a sudden we win three games and we get a little we're starting to play well, you know, get a good series win against Kansas and we're right back in this <clears throat> right back in this thing. Yeah, and you guys certainly are. Will I I think people make too much of a, a deal from the jump to JUCO to D one, but I, I know there is an adjustment. Can can you talk about maybe what, what the toughest adjustment was for you personally coming up from McClendon to Oklahoma? 
think the toughest adjustment for me is that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, guys are more competitive at this level, but really, you know, the same pitches still get the same guys out. And I mean, there's, you know, there's really good athletes at the JUCO level. And I think that the, you know, the only real adjustment that I had to make here is that some guys are going to spit on different pitches than I would probably get away with at the junior college level. And then if I make the mistake on the certain pitch, then they're going to punish me for it. And so I think that, uh, you know, like you said, like getting more, better command of my fastball and setting up for other pitches has really been you know, a big adjustment for me because, I mean, I can't just sit there and just go fastball, curveball, or fastball changeup and just, you know, repeat it over and over again. I have to really expand kind of what I do in order to get th- different guys out. Right. Did you did you have anybody when when you arrived on campus that kind of took you under their wing and, and kind of showed you the ropes of being a, a D1 pitcher when you got to Norman? I mean, I wouldn't call it necessarily under their wing, but more of just like a leader standpoint. You got to go with Braden Carmichael. I mean, the guy is Mr. OU in my opinion. He's a, he's a great teammate, great leader. And he's just, he's just that kind of, you know, that guy that, you know, you just kind of look up to no matter how old you are. I mean, and shoot, I even think, you know, the coaches look up to him. He's just kind of that leader that, you know, he's not really a talkative, get, get on your butt a little bit, but he's just, he's just, he's just the standard of what Oklahoma is. So I think coming in here and kind of getting to know him and to where we are now, he's definitely that guy that, you know, you want, you want to be like. Yeah, we've had him on the show, man. He, he is rock solid. I know that his family is, is creating kind of a legacy at Oklahoma with his brothers right on his heel and his dad, Darby, played at Oklahoma. But, Will, this has been uh, been very insightful, and I uh, want to thank you for, for taking some time out to talk to us, and, and good luck at Gonzaga and in the Big 12 tournament, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Tag Firearms is the premier seller of high-end brand firearms. AR-10 and 15 rifles by Noveski and LMT. Proof research carbon fiber barrels and lightweight hunting rifles. Nighthawk and Staccato 2011 handguns. Silencers, receivers, optics, and night vision products by B&T, Envision, Defiance Machine, EOTech, Q, and Thunderbeast. Tag ships anywhere in the U.S. Visit tagfirearms.com. Man, what an interview by Will Carstens. Love having these guys on all season long. Really appreciate the folks from Oklahoma helping us out, getting the interviews as we try to do everything the right way here on this podcast, going through the proper channels. And it's nice to see they reciprocate it because everyone loves the promotion that Oklahoma baseball is getting right now. And it goes that way across the board. Yeah, it really does. Ryan Gaines, director of uh, OU Baseball Operations. Man, what a what a great job the guy does. You know, if, if you work it correctly and, and through the through the right channels, as you said, and, and, you know, do this stuff the right way, they really get back and respond with you because it can be mutually beneficial for, for the university and us. And uh, he's been great helping, helping you know, get this stuff set up. Anyway, yeah, Will Carson, great, great interview. Sounds like a great kid. And Braden Carmichael's a guy that you keep hearing brought up that, you know, even the coaches might look up to the kid and why wouldn't you? But, Sounds like he really, you know, helped Will when he got to Oklahoma from uh, McKinnon and helped show him the ropes and what it's what it's like to be a D1 player and what to expect day to day. And, you know, after talking to him, they, they certainly have their, their plate full with all the travel going on to end up to Spokane today uh, to take on Gonzaga. But he's a guy that Randy has been in a great groove the last month, you know, really kicked it into high gear down in Austin with that sweep of the horns. And he's just, he's kept it going. And he's a guy that, 
they're going to look to and rely on in, in the most crucial games down the stretch here. And let me tell you, he's made some money. That's the one thing I can tell you about Will Karstens. He's made some money over the last month and a half. No doubt. Yeah, you look at a guy that's six seven, right-hander that, you know, can top out, you know, low to mid-90s right now. I'm sure that'll improve the older he gets. But he he brought it up. He's got more command of that fastball, which is helping him set up his other pitches, you know, working lower in the zone he brought up on that interview. And, you know, we, we can see it. it. The results speak for itself. He's shut down really good offenses. I was kind of hoping to see him get the start on Sunday, understand why it didn't happen. But, I would assume we'll see a lot more of Will here down the stretch. Uh, I definitely think you will. I think he's assumed that uh, Trevin Michael role, you know, that it's going to be a bullpen guy throughout the rest of the year, unless it comes to a situation where you're to your fourth starter and you're in a must-win situation, and if he hasn't thrown, kind of like Trevin, you know, had a couple of moments last year like that, you know, I think you might see well, Will Carson's tried out there as a starter for that type of game. You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I'm not saying you won't see him as a starter, but I think it's going to be moments like that where you see him as a starter this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's certainly got the makeup to be a, a Friday night guy for most mm-hmm. teams. He's been battling some nagging stuff, and he's getting healthy at the right time. But no, he's a guy that you give the ball to off in the fourth or fifth inning with a lead or tied or need, need to hold him in there, and he can either do that or you give it to him in the bottom of the ninth for three outs. He's uh, he's become a very valuable asset out of that Oklahoma bullpen. And good and bad for Oklahoma. And good part is he is doing what you're talking about. He's been that guy out of the bullpen that's really solidified everything, you know, he and Carter Campbell combined. But bad is you were kind of hoping, you know, there's that dream, that, oh, maybe he comes back another year. Well, as a junior with the way he's performed down the stretch and you talked about his size and all all the measurables and that that's going to get him where he's not coming back because it doesn't matter where you're taking. If you're a junior and you don't sign, if they're offering you money, you're leaving money on the table because you lose all that leverage next year. You know, and so yeah, you, unfortunately, he's probably not back in Crimson and Cream for him next year. He's not. And then that gets into a tricky deal as a fan base, man. You like to see these kids do well, obviously, because it helps the team. But the other half of you knows that by them doing that means they're probably not going to be around next year. And that there are a couple guys that have emerged uh, throughout that lineup, one through nine, and pitchers on the back end that, yeah, they're making them themselves a pretty pretty hefty check here down the stretch and means they will not be back next year. But, you know, that's life in college baseball. Everybody deals with it. I think Skip understands that. They've got a good class coming in, and he'll have to uh, reach out to the JUCO ranks to replace what he's lost and maybe uh, hit the transfer portal. Well, and I think you'll see I think you'll see that. Oklahoma's going to play the portal a lot. Hey, let's talk a little Oklahoma State. You know, I, I'll admit, we've, we've let the – not talked about them as much the last couple of weeks. They've stepped out of conference, hadn't been playing like, you know, anybody strong or anything that in the out of conference. And this week they get back into it. We've talked about it. They play Kansas State. I think I think there's two things I take out of last weekend series that's key for this team as they move forward. Because, again, I think they got talent. They've just been very erratic all year long, right, especially on the pitching mound. But a couple of things that jumped out of me last week, Yes, it was East Tennessee State, but Nolan Sherbert, let's just take his Sunday game alone. Three home runs, two grand slams. You know, he looks like he's starting to get right. He's been kind of struggling a little bit at the plate. Not major, but, you know, definitely not where he was early in the season. 
that right. looked really good. That's a positive sign for Oklahoma State moving forward because if you can get his bat going with everything else you got in there with the Regios, Carson Benj is a freshman, and then the other bat that's really key, Nolan McClain. I know he's been back a little hitting before then, but he also pitched this past weekend. That may be the biggest bonus for this Oklahoma State staff moving into the postseason. No doubt about it. I think you can circle his loss the last month to a lot of inconsistencies. They, they've had some leads. They've been in close games that have got off the rails late. But, no, Schubert, uh, a lot of times these kids at a high school are way overhyped. He is living up to the hype, right? He's, yeah. he's looking He's looking how you expect the guy ranked like that to look. And even better is the timing of it. He's starting to get really hot at the right time for the Cowboys. And we've said all along, Randy, this is a – an Omaha caliber team with the talent they've got and getting Nolan McClain back in that lineup, both what he does in the dish and on the bump is gigantic and couldn't come at a better time. They, they like OU, have their destiny in their hands. I think, still think they have the talent to make it to Omaha. Yeah, uh, yeah getting get healthy at the right time, playing good baseball, and they, they host a pesky Kansas State squad. Randy, it's, it's kind of a tricky series up there. I, I expect Oklahoma State to win it, but wouldn't bet it either way. Uh, I do too, and I think I would bet Oklahoma State. And it's simply for the fact not hating on anyone. K State doesn't play as good on the road. You know, it's like no Oklahoma State plays really well at O'Break. K State's not as good on the road. It's kind of that perfect storm for Oklahoma State to maybe get a sweep this weekend. To be honest, but my only caveat with ever saying that, yes, McLean helps that back into the pen a ton. Oklahoma State starters, you know. When they've played good competition or teams in the conference, they haven't always fared well. And that's the scary part, I think, for Oklahoma State fans because these next two weeks are huge for Oklahoma State. I think right now they're a regional host. It's very close, right? And we talked earlier in the podcast about committee. Sometimes I will say this, what a committee may do, a conference that normally gets five teams, but the Big 12 is kind of down as far as high, high high-end teams this year, you know? But they're Mm -hmm. deeper. Sometimes what you see happen is like, all right, guys, I don't think the conference deserves five teams. We're going to give you four bids, but we're going to give you two hosts. You know, and I think Oklahoma State's kind of on that debate line. But if it went bad the next two weeks in Oklahoma State, I think they're in the tournament, really, to be honest with you, no matter what happens the next two weeks, right? But Mm -hmm. if they were to lose a series at home to K-State and turn around and lose a series to Oklahoma, if they want to host – they got a lot of work to do in the Big 12. Yeah, that would put them uh, – I don't think they would be on the host line if they dropped these two series back-to-back, but it's what you talked about. Everything's setting up for Oklahoma State, getting McLean back and Schubert. Yeah, we're playing at O'Brate, and Kansas State sucks on the road. It's because of all that is really known is why I'm kind of skeptical, Randy. Yeah. It, I get it, it. Yeah, it's when th- things are going too good and it's expected. The things – you know, funny things happen, especially this year in the league. But, no, it. Oklahoma State sitting at 19 in the RPI right now, really good spot to host. They just have to take care of their business. I, I still think they do beat Kansas State, but, you know, like every other series this year in this conference, it's uh, it's very unpredictable. But I think Oklahoma State, when right, is as dominant as any team in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah I fully agree. I, I The only one I think has separated themselves for me not to go that far anymore, it's West Virginia. I think they're truly that good. You know, you look at – as we have gone all season long, Dave, it's kind of funny. We've always put, it seems like someone different as being the best best team in the conference, right? <laughs> I feel like we've discredited West Virginia because 
when we talk about a team, what I want to see is consistency. West Virginia is the best team in the conference. I think, and it's pretty I, easy. I agree. They are I captains agree. of consistency. I mean, it's amazing. I, I said it. I, I will say this. I did say on our podcast two weeks ago, I did mm-hmm. say, I'll go ahead and call it, West Virginia is the best team in the Big 12, and they are. Yeah. Uh, my personal feelings aside from that program, I just have to say, yes, they're the best team, and they've proven it all season long. My point with Oklahoma State is they have the talent when right, when healthy, and they're playing well to, to, to be a very good team and, and rival West Virginia as far as good. But no, no doubt about it, no debate, West Virginia is the best team in the league this year. Yeah, it's amazing. and But it's, it's just going to be interesting to see here over the next few weeks how things play out because Oklahoma State's got a lot on the line. I think West Virginia, they're clearly, I think, going to be a host just if you win the conference. But you don't want to struggle. You don't want to give the committee any reason to doubt you as a host. And that's why I think the next couple of weeks are huge for West Virginia because you don't want to falter. You don't want to go and lose to, let's say, Texas Tech this weekend and start to give that committee any reason to go, hey, let's move in another ACC school as a host. Let's move in SEC school as a host. You know, you just don't want to give them that window to do that. No, you don't, and that's another series, Randy, that, that screams West Virginia, and they're playing at home, and, you know, Q Country Roads and all that stuff, but Texas Tech, I'm telling you, is a dangerous club. If they get any pitching at all, they can hit the ball with the best of them, and we saw West Virginia is vulnerable, especially with that Saturday starter. That's another one that's tricky, but yeah, I'd go ahead and pick West Virginia to take it 2-1, to one, if not a sweep. But again, Texas Tech is more than capable of going up and winning that series. No doubt. Let's kind of talk about them. We'll go ahead and start dissecting the series a little more as far as our predictions and everything as we get up against it here in the podcast. But, Dave, I mean, we haven't even spent much time on it because Baylor, you know, they're a gritty, gutty team that keeps fighting but, you know, can't get across the wing column. They travel to Fort Worth this weekend, and I think that's a very interesting series because I think Tech or TCU is right there in a position, if they can have a good last couple of weeks of the season, they could start moving into the debate of an at-large because of just you know the quality of schedule they've played this year and everything like that. And so it's very interesting because they've got Baylor this week and Kansas State next week in Manhattan. And so TCU is going to have some – games they could potentially go win if they do that you know they're they're all of a sudden there with the kansas state texas tech and oklahoma in a debate it's going to be a weird weekend though for them playing baylor because they've got to put a lot of pressure and if they falter at all baylor's proved they can score runs they have and baylor you know kind of the bad news bears of the conference they've got uh they've got nothing to play for and that that's what makes them kind of scary and especially playing an in-state rival who's fighting for their very lives. So that, that's going to be one to watch real close. TCU, like you said, is in a spot where if they can start to string together some conference wins, maybe do some stuff in the Big 12 tournament, they put themselves back in the conversation, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of where you, where you hope to be. And, that's, again, it's in their hands. But that's another tricky series with the Baylor Bears. I, I would still expect TCU to take it. I think they've, they're very talented for whatever reason, injuries or – a new coach, you know, guys just not used to the voice they're hearing. They just have not put it together this year, and time's running out to do it. But that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, then, yeah, next week with Kansas State, a, a club that's proven they can play with the best in the Big 12, you know, especially at home. Uh, where is that series at, you know? It's in Manhattan. It's in Manhattan next yeah. week. So, yeah, so that's, that's why I'm yeah. like, it's big. 
yeah, TCU cannot falter at all this weekend then because, yeah, like you said, Kansas State's very tough to beat up there. Yeah, and, and that would be a road series win if they can get it. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm going TCU. I'm going to go ahead and say 3-0 this weekend. I think they get the sweep over Baylor. Going for the sweep. All right. Bold prediction. I'll, I'll go ahead and take uh, TCU to win 2-1. to one. There we go. I like it, man. Hey, we've talked about it a little. Texas Tech, West Virginia Tech playing you know, beat Abilene Christian twice this week in the midweek. Actually, it was one full game and finishing off another game, which would have been really interesting if that game was completed a few weeks back because Abilene had shut them out. It was in the sixth inning, and we all know how it happens, you know. All of a sudden, you go back and finish off a game, and it seems like the team that's trailing a ton of times goes ahead and wins that game. And that's what happened on Tuesday in the Texas Tech continuation game for against Abilene Christian. Yeah, it was. It would have been fun to watch the end of that, like you said, because, yeah, it's it's a weird weird thing that happens when there's a delay and the team trailing comes back. It's I don't know if it's psychological or they just get their stuff together, but you see that more often than not. And, yeah, they took care of Sam Houston State last week, and they're starting to play some good baseball. Uh, yeah, I think I've said that about 800 times this season about Tech, but it's they're, they're just a team that, that's kind of like the rest near the top or at the top to where when they're, they're at their best, they can play with anybody, and they've proven that. And that, that would scare me as a West Virginia fan, but like you said, West Virginia's been the captain of consistency. So I fully expect them to come out and play a good series at home in Morgantown, and I'll go ahead and pick them to win the series 2-1 to one over Texas Tech. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think, you know, we're going to look back at this year and – Everyone almost should hate Kansas. I'm going to be honest with you. And I think why I'm saying the reason I'm saying that is I think you look back to West Virginia and they opened the Big 12 conference play and they were playing really well. They opened against Kansas. Kansas went up to Morgantown and won the series. I feel like that is what woke that team up. Not that they weren't playing well, but to realize, you know what, we got to take everyone serious. And right. since that moment, it feels like they've done that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's kind of the wake-up call they needed to say, hey, we're more talented than this, and we can't overlook anybody, especially in this league. And they, they've been on a tear ever since. And, yeah, Kansas proven they're kind of a tough Friday night out, at least, beating the Longhorns mm-hmm. up in uh, Lawrence last week on Friday night. Texas comes back to win two in a row to take the series. But with what they've got with Bumgardner on the bump Friday night, and they can swing the bat a little bit this year. The Kansas Jayhawks are pesky on Friday, to say the least. But, no, you're right. That that woke up the Mountaineers, and they've, they've been playing great baseball ever since. Hey, no doubt about it. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, we've talked about this series a little. Cowboys, we talked about how well they played in their two non-conference series, getting six wins in those. They did drop the midweek last week to Oral Roberts, and, you know, a head-scratcher moment, and that's my only reason I still have some reservations about the Cowboys. Six out of the last seven are teams they def- they should have won all seven, right? But Oral Roberts is a tournament team. So six out of the last seven are non-tournament teams. They won mm-hmm. three of the – they won those six against the non-tournament. The one turn- tournament team they played, they lost. You know, and that's just kind of like – that's my question mark. Now, with me all saying that, right? I'm going Oklahoma State to win this series 2-1 this week. But it's not like one of those predictions. I feel 100% like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, no, man. It's it's weird because Kansas State, you know, they, they at least have to have some talent with the record they've got. They beat Oklahoma, but all the, you know, that was in Manhattan. We know they play better in Manhattan. That being said, 
the way this year is gone, you just cannot say anything with a hundred percent certainty. OSU should win. They more than likely know or think they're going to win, have the confidence to go win. That doesn't guarantee anything, and it should. But I'm going to take OSU to win the series two to one as well. Yeah, I mean it's hard to go against them at home, but let me put it this way: it'll tell me a lot about the Cowboys if they don't win it. That's when I'm going to be like, "Ooh, okay, yeah, here we go." You know, and so I, I don't know. That it's going to be really fun to watch, you know, and see what happens with them this weekend. Cowboys two one, and again, I think for Oklahoma's sakes, go ahead and let them win two one, because. I'm looking on the Oklahoma side, get everyone jum- jumbled together. That way you can put literally everyone into a hat when it comes to NCAA selection time. And in that hat, you pull out the best strength of schedule and the best RPI, which would favor Oklahoma. Yep, that that's what that's what's going to be interesting. So let, let's cause a cluster in the Big 12. Other series in the Big 12, we talked about it. Everyone's stepping out of conference last week. It was the other teams that were out of conference as there's two bye weeks, of course, in the Big 12. And I know somebody said it was because there were two bye weeks for everyone this year. I get that. What I don't get about the scheduling this year as opposed to some years past it seems like the conference in general didn't space it out how they've normally done it. I remember when there were years where you might have two teams out of conference, you know, at most, because they tried to keep conference series going. And it's just been weird the way it's worked this year. We're back-to-back weeks, Dave. Three three teams are out of conference, you know, when it could just yeah. be one if they'd have done the scheduling right. Strange deal down the stretch here. Yeah, Kansas at Samford, uh, Oklahoma, of course, Gonzaga. And, uh, yeah, it looks like San Jose State and Texas. Okay, how about that? We're not going to go dive. We didn't dive into the ones that were out of conference last week. We're not going to dive into these. So, when you look at it, any of these teams lose their series this weekend? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Oklahoma would be the one most likely because, to be honest, they have kind of played down to who they've they faced this year. So I think that's one to, to carefully watch, but I think they take the series. I think Texas beats San Jose State and Austin and Kansas. I don't know. Uh, you, I might go Kansas would be my one to lose this series. Samford, yeah. I can't get, get behind Samford. I don't even know what their mascot is, to be honest. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Kansas to win that one. I don't know if that's a series or just a one-game set. No, it's – it's it's. let's see. I can tell you real fast. It's a three-game set. They're the Bulldogs. They're 27-21, and 21, RPI of 85. I can't see Kansas going and winning that series. Oh, well, now that I know the stats of the mighty Samford Bulldogs, I might have a change of heart here. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, I now with that being said, I don't know as Oklahoma gets a sweep. I think Texas probably gets a sweep this weekend. Kansas gets one. Oklahoma wins two one. That that's okay. Kind of that's your thoughts. prediction. Yeah. That, okay. I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Texas gets a sweep. I'll say I'm going to go ahead and pick Kansas to beat Sanford. I'm, I'm staying on the Bumgarner Friday night train. I'm going to pick them to win it two to one. I'll take Oklahoma to win the series two to one over Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I just think it's, it's going to be a weird week, man. But hey, Dave, that's another great episode here, of the Bullpen Brothers. Again, we want to thank our sponsors, Tag Firearms, for everything they've done all season long for joining us here on the podcast. And you know, we'll talk about it later on. But we're going to keep this podcast going on all summer. But also stay tuned. And I bring you a college football one as well. We'll announce that a little bit later on here on the Franchise Podcast Network, part of 
our bullpen brothers on the Franchise Podcast Network. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Dave and I will do that football one as well. So look forward to talking all things sports with you all year long, Dave. Outstanding, Randy. I can't wait to jump into football. I know baseball is kind of our jam, but uh, to be honest, football is too, man. We live in Oklahoma. We, we both have followed Oklahoma a long time. Both of us work in sports media a long time ago together, actually, and yeah. just kind of kind of re- reunited uh, last year on the Omaha run and got this thing jumping. But, yeah, I can't wait to jump into that uh, head first and talk all things college football and OU and recruiting and talk to coaches and players. I'm, I'm psyched, man. Can't wait to get it going. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. We'll talk to you guys next week as we preview Bedlam right here on Bullpen Brothers. <laughs> <laughs>